Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 11th episode from the PJ Archive. It's an interview with Brian Ferry, who's enjoyed international success as lead singer and main songwriter with the English rock band Roxy Music and as a solo artist. I met him in 2002 in central London, where he was promoting his then latest album entitled Frantic. Frantic is never a word I'd associate with you, so why did you call your new album Frantic? <laughs> I mean, to, <laughs> possibly to be perverse. <laughs> but, it, um, but it went, um, it actually, it's quite a good foil to the photograph, which looks very laid back. Right, I've seen used that. On the, on the picture, right. on, the, on the cover, and um, it, it has been a kind of, it seemed a kind of apt word to describe the last couple of years, really, because it, since I did the uh, the 30s album... As time goes yeah, by. Yeah, as time goes by. Um, life's been incredibly busy. I mean, the, um, we did the, the album for that, then we did the tour straight afterwards. And then um, then I started doing the, the, this album. Uh, and then the Roxy thing appeared, and, and it was like, oh, you know, we want you to do it this year... Uh, definitely, and so we had to. Sh- we were nearly finished this album, and quite fortunate, really, in that we shelved it for a few months. Well, we, well, six months while we did the tour, and uh, because while I was away, I listened to it and had some alterations. You know, it's, it's very good sometimes to leave something for a bit and have some perspective on it. You know, and so when we went back, we were working on that and the DVD of the Roxy tour. And then the soundtrack of that, and then the documentary that goes with it. It's been like, ah, sort of yeah. juggling all these. So it has been a bit frantic. So, uh, and also there was a song which didn't actually make it on the album in the end because it wasn't really completed, but, uh, which has uh, frantic in the lyric, which was going to be part of the record initially. But. Which is your favourite track on the new album? And, At um, the moment, I would say, don't think twice, the uh, Dylan cover that um, yeah. it's really... Dead simple, just me with uh, with Colin Good uh, playing piano and I'm doing harmonica and singing. And it was one of those um, just one take things that you do, um, which hope if it works, it works well, you know. Um, You've long been partial to covering Dylan's songs. Yeah. Whereas all the other tracks tend to have, you know, although there's a kind of live feel to the album, you know, there are one or two tracks which are layered in my normal way. Do, do you have no. to ask his permission to... To uh, do it? Oh, no. no. Do you know him at all? Never met him. I no. he's quite grateful to you, really. Done For Hard Brains, anyway, because that was a big hit. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which was the first cover I did. And mm. uh, and Baby Blue um, was done in that kind of style, sort of, you know, rock-out type of drums and everything. And, uh, I'm glad that he's doing really well. I mean, it's really good, reassuring to see somebody uh, who's been around as long as he has, playing with that kind of um, spirit. You know? yeah. uh, he's still out there all the time, uh, touring, what have you. I gather Goddess of Love is inspired by Marilyn. What yeah. is it with you singer-songwriters and Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but um, I was um, i was always a big fan of Hollywood movies and um, screen goddesses in particular. And, uh, and she, you know... Uh, it could have been also that she's, she's just a kind of she's such an iconic figure you know mm. and uh, I was reminded of that this week at the Andy Warhol um, exhibition where he 
he did those kind of beautiful um, screen prints of her. And my old art teacher at university, Richard Hamilton, he also did a series of pictures based on Marilyn Monroe, which were very, very nice. And um, he's been in the papers recently. He's, yeah, he's 80 this month. Um, Lovely song, yeah. San Simeon, begins oh, yeah. with some familiar footsteps. Is that the same footsteps you used on Love is the Drug? They might be, they might be the same ones. What I, does that mean? They I, are or they aren't? I'm not really sure. I think right. they might well have been, actually. Who's on? I had a, uh, oh, I just had a tape of sound effects. I've, oh, okay. I've got yeah. masses of uh, sound yeah. effects, and they could be the same ones. If you're not, I can't really. I'm not really sure. How do you yeah. feel now about the tour you did with Roxy Music last year? You glad you did it? Very glad. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. It was a great success, and we went out there and um, played the songs to, to like uh, lots of people who who loved it. You know. And um, I think we all enjoyed doing it. Has it changed your feelings about being a solo artist now? Uh, Do you sort of enjoy being back in the band again? I did enjoy it. Um, it was also good to play on a bigger platform in the sense that we played generally big arenas, um, which is a change from what I've been doing in a solo uh, circuit. Of, um, where we'd been doing kind of a big kind of theatres, but not, 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 it wasn't an arena tour that I did uh, before. So it was nice doing that uh, on a bigger scale. And, but yeah, it was. Uh, I like both, you know, I like doing the solo things and, and the group thing. Have you been offered loads of money to stay together now, to get back together permanently? Um, not really. Well, if so, I haven't heard about it. <laughs> what is the future for Roxy Music as far as you're concerned? Mm. Was it just a, a dabble and now back to solo? Well, it was like a one-off thing to do that one tour. But we did have about a dozen or so, or 20 maybe, places that we didn't play on that Roxy tour, which one day we'd be quite like to do, mm. I think. So it's not beyond, uh, you know, realms of possibility that next year do some more. You know, it was a very positive experience. We didn't have any plans to do an album, although, having said that... Um, uh, we did take quite a few of the concerts, oh. so there could be a live album in the future, and there is a DVD, um, a, vi a video coming out uh, quite soon. Um, You're still talking to each other. That's the main thing. We're still talking to each other. Incredible. <laughs> mm. yeah. Have you kept <laughs> any of the the wardrobe that you had in your original Roxy days? Have you still got any of the glamorous um, outfits? Or? Some that disappeared through the course of time, really. But a, a couple of them we still have, and uh, we keep um, lending them to uh, exhibitions and things like that. Mm. So they come sort of. Are you one for keeping it. memorabilia though and souvenirs mm. from over the years? Or well, I don't like to get burdened down by it, you know. By your past, is it? No, right. But it's uh, it's also quite good to hang on to things, and it's good to have things to give to charities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's always a place for something. You know? If you hang on to it long enough, you know, um, there's somebody who works for us who, who, who deals with that kind of archive type of thing. It's interesting how sometimes they, they come in handy, either for giving away or for photographing for programs mm -hmm. or, you know, when you're doing stuff. Do you still have family and friends in Durham, and how often do you return there? Plenty of family there, yeah. I don't go back that often, but... I like to very much. It's um, 
I like playing up there. I like the countryside up there, in Northumberland in particular, but, you know, a bit north of Newcastle. I was born between, midway between Durham, Sunderland and Newcastle. Washington. In Washington, yeah. So it was like within that, within that triangle, so there were three kind of different towns. To go to at Newcastle I know best because that's where I was a student. So oh. I, I lived there a long time. Um, but I, I see the family if, I, uh, if I'm doing a concert there normally. Uh, they come. Although my sisters don't live up there anymore. A lot of people say their student days were the best of their life. How do you oh, rate good. the time that you got Newcastle? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I can understand why it's still like, you know, now like a trendy sort of university for people mm. to go to because it's such a, an attractive city you know mm. on the river with all those bridges and it's uh, no, very picturesque had some wonderful buildings uh, they it suffered from planning kind of uh, uh, problems in the um, in the six, late 60s I think it was but um, it's still a great place it's got a great spirit mm-hmm. and uh my days there were fantastic because I was studying art and it was a, a place with very good teachers. And Richard Hamilton, who I mentioned earlier, mm. was the um, most famous uh, artist teaching there. And so we all kind of sat at his feet, really, for the first couple of years when I was there. And I was there for four years and uh, it gave me time to really think a lot about what I wanted to do. Because it wasn't a hard course, you know, it was like... Um, it wasn't like doing that. I had friends studying architecture and all sorts of different things which were really hard, you know, sort of, they had to work all day long, but we were sort of partying half the time, really. Do you think there's any profession, any other profession that you could have gone on to be successful in? Mm. Well, I'd like to think anything to do with the visual arts, you know, because I still get involved a lot with all the things we do. Visual things, like, you know, artwork and for albums and stuff. I sort of get um, very hand, hands-on with all that, you know, and the tours as well, the way it looks, and it's what I love doing. Um, so, but not, I don't think I'd have become much of a painter if I carried on studying that, I mean, doing that. But maybe drifted into filmmaking or something like that, probably, hmm. I should think. What do you think's been the key to your success in music? Oh, probably obsessive um, passion for it. I love music. I suppose I like expressing myself. The fact that it's such an emotional art form appeals to me. I suppose the fact also that I'm interested in every aspect of it. I mean, not so much the business side, I can't bear that. But, um, you know, whether it's um, writing songs, singing other people's songs, arranging what other musicians play, directing what they do enjoying what they do, being a great fan of other people's playing. I don't like to plaster myself all over the record. Mm. I like to kind of sometimes perhaps take a back seat and after your chat, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm a big fan of other people's playing, yeah. Was it ever suggested that you should change your name for show business purposes? I suppose when I started, uh, I had the group name, mm-hmm. which is Roxy Music, which I thought was a great name. Absolutely. And um, so that was the name, really, and mm. I prefer that to my own name, obviously, because it's more, <laughs> more picturesque, more, more, glamorous. more glamorous. And um, so, no, I never bothered to change it, really. Um, 
Often, but it's a bit of a mouthful, probably. I mean, I still can't say it very well. <laughs> <laughs> you often expressed discomfort at having your photograph taken. Have you always oh, been yeah. comfortable with your own voice, though, with your own singing voice? Have you always um, liked listening to it? Not really. I, I'm, I'm a bit... Uh, probably a bit on the bashful side about that as well. Um, it depends what the song is. I mean, there's the certain things I think I can sing all right and other things where I've found it a struggle. Even songs I've written myself. And I've, you know, which is why sometimes I like having backing singers and, and that sort of thing, you know, girls really. I mean, I, I like the female voice very much. Um, I like sopranos, and I use a soprano on a couple of tracks on this album. So I do like to hear high voices. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I think I've got better as a singer, funnily enough. Um, I know I have, but in some ways. I think I'm uh, right in saying originally you auditioned for King Crimson mm, and mm. to take over from Gordon Haskell, who's just had a number one, well, a number two. No, it was from um, uh, Greg Lake. Oh, was it? I yeah, Greg Lake, Greg right. Lake. Uh, but yeah, I think Gordon Haskell played. What they really wanted was um, a singer who played bass guitar, and which is what they got in the end. But uh, Gordon Haskell played bass in King Crimson. Yeah, he was, he so. was no, they always had a singing bass player. And they liked my singing, but they, I couldn't play bass, and so they really wanted to get two for the price of one. <laughs> so they became um, good friends, actually, and Fripp played on, on a couple of things that I did, and, and Pete Sinfield produced the first Roxy album, in fact. Musically, are you glad you started when you did in the 70s? Do, or would you be more comfortable in a different era, do you think? No, it was ideal for me. I mean, I, I think the time was... Was was absolutely right. Although one thing about if we'd started a little bit, you know, like ten years later, or whatever, or even more, it would have been possible to to do more on television uh, with you know video and stuff like that. Because when we started off, there weren't any outlets for it, mm. and I wanted to um, do more and more visual things. And MTV didn't exist, for instance. And, mm if you did a, a video, which you did one or two in the early days, but you couldn't get them shown anywhere, really. There, mm. there wasn't any... Luckily, we did one or two, but we didn't do enough. I mean, uh, there isn't a video of Lovers of Drug, for instance, or quite a lot of the early things. Um, we didn't film... We have no film record, sometimes no photo record, believe it or not, of some of the early tours, um, places we played. So it wasn't really very well documented, whereas nowadays everybody films everything. <laughs> and, uh, like, we've got um, most of the concerts we did Lots. taped and we've got bits of footage from just amateur cameras and all sorts of things. Uh, In August, it's going to be 30 years mm. since Virginia Plain became your first hit. Mm. Does it seem that long ago? And do you, how well do you remember that time? Mm. remember bits of it very well. I remember making the first album. I remember bits about recording Virginia Plain. I remember we recorded a motorbike going up and down Piccadilly where we did the record. We had a roadie driving a motorbike up and down. And I remember that. And I remember hearing the record on the radio for the first time when we were kind of in a van on the M1, which is you know, classic sort of stuff. Here. And we went, ah, oh, there's our record. And... Um, Talking of motorbikes... That was, yeah, it was good. Is, is Chris Bedding you work with the same guy that did that hit? Motorbiking. Motorbiking. Mm. Amazing. 
Does he still play it occasionally? I haven't heard him doing it, but yeah. he, um, he's a fantastic player. Mm. He played um, with me in the mid-70s on a yeah. solo tour, and uh, one of the albums I did then. Oh, we played on Metzig together as well. When you became successful as a musician, how satisfying was it for you to buy your parents a home? Oh, it was kind of corny, kind of um, Elvis pop gesture. store Elvis type of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I could have bought them a Cadillac as well, but um, mm. no, it was good. It was great to... Because uh, I had such um, support of parents, you know, mm. from... Um, all my life, um, growing up, I was very fortunate, really. And um, so, yeah, it was good. It's always good to pay people back. How has success influenced your desire and determination? Has it made you more or less driven? Mm. I can't say. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it's still the same, pretty much. I don't have so much desire, say, to write songs all the time that I used to have. That's about the only difference. But... Um, to do new work, you know, to, to make records, uh, that desire is still uh, very much so. And lately, also the desire to perform has come back, which I, I kind of, I suppose, consciously withdrew from that um, after, let's say, 1984, 83, really, after, after Roxy broke up. I, I thought, oh, well, I don't think I'll be doing any touring again. But I have come back, okay, you know, for sporadic uh, bursts of touring. And the last two years, I seem to have been performing an awful lot, more than ever before. In 1977, you lived in Los Angeles and in Switzerland. Have you mm. ever considered permanently moving abroad? No, not really. Um, I had thought I'd eventually end up living in America, but uh, that never really happened. Um, I spent a lot of time in L.A. and a lot of time in New York as well. But um, I like being in England. I mean, I like, uh, I like London. It's been a very good base for me. Mm. And um, the fact that you can be all over Europe, whenever you want to be, in, in a matter of you know, an hour or two, is pretty amazing. Mm. Uh, luckily, the, all these countries still have enough individuality to make them very different from each other, despite the euro and all that kind of mm. things, which will, I guess, make things more samey than... Number four, I, I, I like you know I like travelling and it's it's good to go to a different culture and be there like two hours time. Despite your success with and without Roxy Music, you've only had one number one single, Jealous Guy. Mm. Does that bother you, or do you not bother not care about oh, chart no. placings? Don't care about it really. Although it was very nice at the time to know you had a number one record. Um, and ideally, you'd like. You'd like everything you do to be vastly popular, and um, but it doesn't work out like that. Mm. I think I've been yeah, I'm really lucky to have an audience that stayed with me, um, even though it's, I suppose, constantly shifting. Uh, it's hard to define what the audience is, because it's a very wide group now, of age group-wise. It's, it's hard to really um, pinpoint it, because on the recent tour... All kinds of age, ages there, really. To go back to Jealous Guy, did you know John Lennon at all? No, no. And did Yoko or Met him once. I met him uh, did. very briefly in, in Tokyo when I was on, uh, on on a solo tour, I think. I think it was a solo tour. 
might have been on Oxford. Wow. Uh, it, it just uh, in the um, he was we were staying in the same hotel, and, and I was coming back from a concert you know, and sort of just sort of whizzing through the corridor with you know my entourage as it were, as one does, um, and uh, this guy came bounding over to me you know with a cheery sort of handshake and it was uh, I said, oh, hi it's John Lennon and. Um, with his uh, very quiet uh, wife sort of shadowing him, you know, uh, Yoko. No, it was very nice. He said, oh, well, we must get together for tea or something. But then it never happened. I can't remember what happened, but that's the only time I saw him. Um, After he did. seemed very, very nice. And uh, I, I was a big fan, so obviously um, it was very nice to meet people who you like to... Uh, you seem okay? to like the look of you as well. <laughs> did Yoko say whether, sh- whether he would have liked your version of Jealous Guy? No, I've never seen her. Since, I don't know. Uh, never, you never really get the comeback from people as a rule. Mm. Or, Are there any people that. Van Morrison once told me that he really liked a version I did of, of uh, one of his songs, uh, Crazy Love, a great song. And I did, I did a version of that once. Are there any people that. It's not the only time anybody's complimented me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. <I> <laughs> Are there any people you get nervous or excited about meeting still? No, can't say. Uh, no, not really, I know. Can't say I meet that many people. Never met the Queen. So you might be a bit. Is that a hint? No, not really. No, I just I'm trying to think of um, who would might make, make you nervous if you met them. Mm-hmm. You were one of the stars of Live Aid. What's your strongest memory of that, and how do you, and, you know, do you feel that should have been repeated? Maybe it shouldn't have been repeated. I mean, I think people can get a bit um, bored with endless chat. I mean, a lot of. Um, people in the music business do lots of charity work and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, so, so as if people aren't um, doing enough of that. But uh, I think it would devalue the whole thing if you did too much of it. It was very good. It, it, I think it um, was quite an event. I remember the, the, the mic didn't work <laughs> for every alternate band, which, yeah. which was because kind of, they had two setups. And uh, I think it, somebody pulled the mic socket out or something, the lead out. And there was a bad connection on the first song, so the first artist and the third and the fifth and the seventh and so on had the dodgy setup, and so you had to have a couple of mics taped together, which was kind of annoying. Quite a lot of your music has been used in movies. Have you ever contemplated an acting career? No, I haven't really. Because I don't think I'd be cut out for it, particularly. Why not? Unless it was some director who I really knew, and um, I don't think I'm natural... Um, talent for that. Maybe for something like Shakespeare, I could imagine doing that. Because I did that at school, I quite enjoyed that. Have you been offered scripts, though? Um, a couple of times. But um, nothing that... There was once I nearly got drawn into it. Go on, tell us. And it was, um, that was a film called Cliffhanger. Oh, right, the Stallone film. That's it. And they wanted me really? to play the baddie. The typical... Um, uh, sort of baddie, sort of drug baron or something, and um, ruthless character. So I quite like the idea of that. Whose idea and, is that? Uh, Mr. The director. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the very, very last minute, uh, sadly, before the contract was drawn up, um, Stallone uh, vetoed the idea. A lot of your contemporaries have fallen along the rocky road of rock and roll, yet you survived completely intact. Why do you think that is? <laughs> you Apart from being half mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
on the outside appear to be intact. Um, I can't say really. Luck, good luck, really. You never won the vices, though. No, never. <laughs> Over the years, your your public image has changed from rebel rock star to country squire. Which is closer to the real you? Well, I'd like to think I was a rebel rock star, really. Uh, I mean, it's nice spending time in in the uh, in the countryside. You know, the English countryside is beautiful. And I like trying to get fresh air, like anybody else. Um, I don't like staying in London much at weekends, mm. but I love the energy of it during the week. So, you know, I work. Uh, I, I've got a studio in London, so that's where I work, and uh, it's also good to have uh, a retreat that you can um, go and sort of unwind in or whatever. Um, I like nature. I, li- I like trees. I like open spaces. Did that image change? upset your fans? No, it wasn't really an image change, you know, it's just like, uh, it only takes a one picture of you in a tweed jacket, then people will say, oh, you know. Um, but no, no it's, uh, I don't think so. I think people have always, the fans uh, that I have, have always, like, I think, placed the music first, and any kind of I don't think like image variations. I think it, I don't think it bothers them. They, they, they know me through my music. You know? You've mm. often been described as enigmatic and even mysterious. To what extent have you deliberately created a distance between yourself and the public, and why? Oh, I think I've deliberately tried to keep a certain distance because you've got to keep a certain part of privacy in your life. Otherwise, you go crackers, you know, because it's sometimes too much, you know, people want to know everything about everything, and you've got to keep a certain space for yourself, I think. And I think maybe part of my longevity has been perhaps helped by that, I don't know. Mm. So people, don't, A, don't get sick of you, and you, and you don't get sick of yourself. And <laughs> 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 you hear yourself talking on about it. So I tend to kind of, you know, obviously it's nice to meet people like yourself, do interviews when I have something out to talk about. And the rest of the time I like to uh, go off and create and say, well, I'll see you next time I've got something to, to um, put up for display or whatever. People also often go on about how cool you are. How mm. cool are you really inside? Um, I'd say totally uncool. <laughs> I think that um, there's certain reserve about me, I think uh, that's <coughs> genuine. Um, but I'm also quite uh, moody, I think, and I like to think I'm sort of sometimes very light-hearted, and uh, um, I don't know, like most people, probably a real uh, combination of different things, and uh, I think I'm quite hot-blooded, really, I'm quite uh, Latin in temperament, I think, um, and... I think perhaps it's a, it's a Geordie thing as well, of going hot and cold quickly, that we sort of raise our voices and not shout and then we're quiet again. And then we, <laughs> we're quite... Um, um, turbulent. Yeah, kind of. But um, we mean well. Talking <laughs> of turbulence, after your near plane yeah. disaster of 2000, yeah. I think one of your children was quoted as saying you were the coolest person on the plane. Is that how you felt? Well... I felt philosophical about it that, if, you know, 
you don't have much time to think or analysing what you think. You don't have much time. Uh, so something's just happening, and um, if it's beyond your control, then um, and luckily we, um, that we had apparently a, a great. Um, well, the pilot told me that his assistant was really amazing and um, and had really saved our lives by um, by pulling the plane out of this dive, you know, which which could have really just been curtains for everybody. And the, the pilot himself was very brave and um, tackling this like crazy guy. And luckily, there were two guys in the front row who. Uh, well, he happened to be huge mm. passengers who just jumped on them as well. So it is all over, very, you know, relatively quickly. You know. How often do you think back to that time? And do you, does oh, never you, do. Does it give you nightmares? Not at all. I travel so much, you know, that each time you get on a plane, you're a bit, I suppose, a bit apprehensive, but there's nothing you can do about it, really. Mm. So you still no. fly with that, you know? You have yeah, to you have to, because you know, quite like taking Eurostar, though. Right. <laughs> you ever done that? I have. It's a very it's nice good. experience. Yeah. yeah. Had your life ended then? How satisfied would you have been with your life and career to that point? Well, I wouldn't have finished this album, so I'd, I'd have been furious. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever yeah. thought about that though? What about how satisfied you would have been? Absolutely. Every day, you think, "Oh God, I, there was so much to do, and please don't take me away now." <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I guess I've reached an age where. Um, you know, certain friends who I've had uh, aren't there anymore. Mm. And um, it's when your contemporaries start kind of disappearing. Uh, um, it's when you really start, uh, I guess, to start worrying or wondering about mortality and uh, so on. Are you thinking of anyone in particular there? Can you speak there? Well, yeah, my... Chosen? No, my... Um, my assistant, well, not my assistant, he was my like, collaborator, Simon, um, who worked with Roxy and myself from the very beginning. Um, and when Roxy stopped working, then he worked with me um, on everything, really, on uh, as a kind of sounding board for everything I did, pretty much. And he, he did our press um, releases, and he, he was a very good writer. He's a doctor of philosophy, very bright, and uh, he was like sort of a like a hidden member of Roxy, really, mm. in, the, in the backstage, and a uh, very important part of my life. Really. Creative people are often said to be difficult to live with. Is oh, that true? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm damn right there because um, I think they're always thinking about themselves. That's the problem, I mean, they, they, or thinking about things relating to themselves, like certain aspects of work. Because since you never really clock in and out of work, you're on all the time. So as soon as you wake up, like <laughs> and if you ever, that's if you're lucky enough to get to sleep. <laughs> you're just kind of, um, you know, just pondering certain things, you know, decisions to make about artistic decisions of things or whatever. It never kind of leaves you, really. What do you like doing away from work with or without the family? I suppose I like, you know, walking about in the in, uh, countryside, wherever I am, whether it's abroad or here. Um, I like uh, I like playing tennis. I like going on holidays. I uh, not that I've really. I've never been one for having long holidays ever. Um, 
but like a week here or a week there yeah, has been great. Um, I'm kind of considered by some to be a workaholic, so I don't take enough holiday breaks or whatever. Mm. But um, as I say, I like being busy, you know. So I like traveling. I like going to Spain. I like going to Italy. I like going to France. Is there a special place you go to for your songwriting? Whether it be in your um, home or abroad or whatever? No. Maybe in the studio, really. How much of your life now is devoted to your career? Oh, a big part. A big part. I mean, uh, I think that um, having got back into the um, habit of touring again, mm. um, I feel, you know, it's, it's taken up quite a bit of time and energy now that I suppose um, any minute now I'll be starting to get into the next project um, are you a pipe so it's, yeah I've got it's, it's a huge part of my time it's like all the, to- all the time I'm doing it. are you a pipe and slippers dad or do you still want to be a rock star well it depends what you mean by a rock star you know when I don't I mean I'm not really a pipe and slippers sort of person really um, do you intend to perform forever, or do you already have a retirement in mind? Uh, perform forever. <laughs> drop. I think so, yeah. Do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve? By some people, yes, and definitely. It's really a case of converting the others now. <laughs> do you think generally you've been understood as an artist and as a person? Uh, yeah, by the people, by certain people, yes, definitely. And I, I've read some great things. Which seem where people really seem to get mm. what I have, you know, really got the point of what I do. And but it depends, you know. Like obviously, sometimes you think, oh well, you might feel undervalued in certain quarters, and uh, that's always going to be the case. I mean. What keeps you awake at night? I suppose worrying about tomorrow. What rules your head and what rules your heart? I don't know really. Um, I suppose I like to deal with things where both are equally involved. You know. When, when you're making music, it's a case of both because you're trying to do something which is very heartfelt at the same time, do something which is reasonably has some kind of design or some idea to it as well. So it's satisfying to both. You know. What makes you jealous? Oh, all sorts of things. Because <laughs> I am a jealous guy, after all. <laughs> do you believe in growing older gracefully or disgracefully? Preferably disgracefully, but. <laughs> I haven't made much of a job of it so far. <laughs> People seem to, seem to think I'm rather... Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm perceived as being a sort of... Um, a kind of roué or whatever. What would you like to achieve with the rest of your life? God, you, you asked the questions. <laughs> um, well, I'd like... Lots of, lots of projects which I'd like to... buzzing around in my head which I'd like to, you know... Um, realise, which I'd rather not divulge, but there's always things I'd want to do, So, and that's the secret of, uh, of um, carrying on with the career, I suppose, that you've always got other ideas of things you want to do and what things you want to try. What do you um, think has been your greatest achievement so far? I don't know, really. I, I can't I can't really put my finger on I don't know. I, mean, I, su- I, su- I suppose the Roxy music um, phenomenon, really, well, my part of that really um, and putting together the last the recent tour which came to put it on display I think that's probably the, probably the best thing I've done so far How would you like to be remembered after you're gone? <laughs> I suppose in a positive way really
as an artist? Yeah, as, um, as an interesting artist, I think. I'd like to, you know, be thought of someone who maybe brought something to the party, as it were. Well. 